0: Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Robin Singh, Chief China Economist for Morgan Stanley.
1: And I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley. On this special edition of Thoughts on the Market, we'll be discussing the outlook for China's economy and the impact on the broader world. It's Thursday, May 14th at 1 p.m. in London. It's 8 p.m. in Hong Kong. Robin, where I wanted to start was that China was the first country impacted by the coronavirus, Um, and it's also been the first country where we can really observe the economic recovery. And and so where I think we should start is, how do you think that recovery at the moment is going?
0: What China did is a three-stage virus containment and economy reopening approach. The first stage is a hard lockdown, lasted for about a month since late January. It's a hard lockdown in the sense that everyone stayed at home Non-essential service were closed. Once the virus went to a sustainable downward trajectory, they entered the second stage, replaced the lockdown with social distancing in March. So quarantine measures were gradually relaxed to give way to faced production resumption in the industrial sector. For example, um, making cars and making smartphones, all these supply chains have been fully resumed production during this stage. And when you return to workplace, you need coffee. So coffee shops gradually reopened its stores about one month since the initial lockdown. Yet strict social distancing guidelines remained in place so that most service centers and leisure places remained suspended. So there is no socializing or gathering. So I would call this stage returned to work, not hanging out. Now going into April and May, they are currently in the final stage of soft social distancing which features carefully reopening of the service economy and the domestic travel, including for example, reopening of the theme parks, uh, kids are back to school. So the sequence of the three stages is largely ranked by the tendency of drawing people together, which means that the manufacturing sector will recover first. And given manufacturing is a big part of Chinese economy, uh, we think China's economy could bounce back relatively more easily um, Than most developed economies.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting, Robin. Because as you know, we've been looking at when we do look back at the 1918 pandemic, you really do see a, a pretty kind of striking pattern where, um, you know, regions that locked down most uh, severely in in 1918 in the U.S. actually did see, as you mentioned, you know, some of the largest ensuing rebounds in industrial production. But I'd like to draw a little bit more into something you mentioned about, you know, the difference between what's going on in the manufacturing side of the economy and what's going on in the services side of the economy. And, and maybe if you could talk a little bit more about, you know, what is some of the data that you're following or what do you think might be some of the data that you think might not be getting as much attention from the average investor, but that you think is pretty interesting for, for how you think about, you know, those two segments of the economy?
0: Well, data is... So important for um, watching the Chinese economy, particularly for the high frequency data, which is daily or weekly data rather than the monthly or quarterly GDP we got, have great value with a large inflection. And this COVID-19 brought about the sharpest inflection possibly in modern history. Against this backdrop, Morgan Stanley Research Franchise has delivered a comprehensive set of high-frequency data that help investors to measure where the economy stands at and where it is going. So what do these d- data tell us? In a nutshell, industrial production and infrastructure construction demand has fully recovered. But service demand is lagging. In particular, aside from the release of some pent-up demand uh, for big ticket items like cars, smartphones. The travel or leisure part of the economy has been lagging. And we think it won't fully normalize until maybe fourth quarter of this year because there is still public health concern about the second wave of infection. And there is still soft social distancing guidelines over there. They are reopening the service economy with some soft social distancing guidelines and the public health measures. This stage could stay with them for a while, depending on the virus situation.
1: So, Robin, when we we think about kind of what can governments do to address this economic challenge, a unique issue that China is dealing with is that um, it has been previously trying very hard to clean up some of the structural imbalances in the country. So... You know, how has China tried to deal with that? How, how do you stimulate the economy while not um, encouraging and, and reopening some of those uh, imbalances that you've been trying really hard to correct?
0: That's a great question. Um, let me first point out that the nature of this shock from COVID-19 on Chinese economy is very different. Uh, it's hitting the SME, which is small and medium-sized firms and households more than anything else. So China will not just resort to the old playbook of boosting public investment. Instead, they have adopted a three-stage uh, policy support approach, starting with stage one. That's the economic relief measures targeting uh, the troubled sectors and the small firms with relending and temporary tax cuts to use corporate cash flow shortfalls. Then they entered the second phase, started in March and April, with some targeted infrastructure capex, but largely focusing on certain manufacturing sector, which stood ready to provide uh, key materials for the recovery of the economy. Finally, we think going into the May 22nd, National People's Congress, they will start providing stage three, that's the direct support for SME and household, in the form of tax rebates, uh, consumer coupons, some cash payments uh, for as much as $200 billion. So this is the three-stage playbook of their um, policy support in this COVID-19 situation, which is quite different from the traditional playbook of boosting public capex. So with what we learned from China on the sequence of economic recovery post-COVID, and also, in view of recent U.S.-China rhetoric on the COVID, what's your view on the global market?
1: So I think there are a couple of interesting lessons. I do think it shows that there were potentially some big advantages from shutting down more aggressively earlier. Now, I think for many countries, the time for that is past, But I do think that that will mean that we are going to see just very different case numbers by country based on how that response was. The other, I think, interesting thing about China's experience is that split between manufacturing and services, that if we look at economies like the U.S. and Europe, which are far, far more services heavy, and and as you mentioned, you know, that's the part that that even with kind of massive support, um, China's struggled the most to normalize, that also suggests a slower pace of recovery um, in, in the U.S. and in Europe relative to what you're going to be forecasting in China.
0: Now, Andrew, um, I know you asked me China's sequence of economic recovery may shed some light to what we may expect to, from other economies. However, uh, one thing China is struggling with is providing direct support for, to small business and households. So what China can learn from other countries' stimulus playbook uh, in this COVID-19 recession?
1: I think this is um, interesting, just because we are seeing kind of in real time a lot of different countries taking a lot of different approaches. But you know, I would say you know one element that has so far appeared very successful is is finding ways to assist companies with with their payroll. Because if you think about the the expenses for any small and medium sized business, payroll is the majority of their expense. If the government can find ways to support that, then I think you can uh, avoid a lot of inefficiency where um, and, and a lot of fear where, where people get fired, uh, they potentially lose, lose benefits, they will save more, they will consume less because they're worried about their job. And so finding ways to, to kind of plug the hole, as it were, um, on the payroll side, you can address a lot of different challenges almost with one action. And, and so I think it's interesting. We've seen, for example, Denmark be very successful um, in having multiple segments of the economy work together, from labor uh, to, to businesses to the government. And um, ultimately, you know, they are so far seeing a far, far lower labor market impact, unemployment impact than, than we're seeing in, uh, in, in the U.S. or, or the U.K. or, or China.
0: Thank you. That's very important takeaways. Um, Hopefully, we can see that from upcoming National People's Congress on the Chinese stimulus measures.
1: Robin, it's been great chatting with you.
0: Great speaking with you, Andrew.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. It helps more people find the show.